Chapter Twenty One of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Twenty One. To reckon up a thousand of her pranks, her pride, her wasteful spending, her unkindness, her scolding, pouting, were to reap an endless catalogue. Old play. When Lady Juliana returned from her expedition, it was so late that Douglas had not time to speak to her, and separate engagements carrying them different ways, he had no opportunity to do so until the following morning at breakfast. He then resolved no longer to defer what he had to say, and began by reproaching her with the cavalier manner in which she had behaved to his good friend the general. "'Upon my life, Harry, you are grown perfectly savage,' cried his lady. I was most particularly civil. I wonder what you would have me do. You know very well I cannot have anything to say to old men of that sort. I think, returned Henry, you might have been gratified by making an acquaintance with my benefactor, and the man to whom you owe the enjoyment of your favorite pleasures. At any rate, you need not have made yourself ridiculous. May I perish if I did not wish myself underground while you were talking nonsense to those sneaking rascals who wheedle you out of your money. Steph, I had a good mind to throw them and their trumpery out of the window when I saw you make such a fool of yourself. A fool of myself? How foolishly you talk! And as for that vulgar, awkward general, he ought to have been too much flattered. Some of the monsters were so like himself, I am sure he must have thought I took them, for the love of his round bare pate. Upon my soul, Julia, I am ashamed of you. Do leave off this excessive folly and try to be rational. What I particularly wish to say to you is that your father is in town, and it will be proper that you should make another effort to be reconciled to him. I dare say it will, answered Lady Juliana with a yawn. And you must lose no time. When will you write? There's no use in writing, or indeed doing anything in the matter. I am sure he won't forgive me. And why not? Oh, why should he do it now? He did not forgive me when I asked him before. And do you think, then— for a father's forgiveness it is not worth while to have a little perseverance i am sure he won't do it so tis in vain to try repeated she going to the glass and singing papa nandite dino etc by heavens julia cried her husband passionately you are past all endurance can nothing touch you nothing fix your thoughts and make you serious for a single moment can I not make you understand that you are ruining yourself and me, that we have nothing to depend upon but the bounty of that man whom you disgust by your caprice, extravagance, and impertinence, and that if you don't get reconciled to your father, what is to become of you? You already know what you have to expect from my family, and how you like living with them. Heavens, Harry! exclaimed her ladyship. What is all this tirade about? Is it because I said papa wouldn't forgive me? I'm sure I don't mind writing to him. I have no objection the first leisure moment I have. But really, in town, one's time is so engrossed. At this moment her maid entered in triumph, carrying on her arms a satin dress embroidered with golden flowers. See, my lady, cried she, your new robe, as madame has sent home half a day sooner than her word, and she has disobliged several of the quality by not giving the pattern. "'Oh, lovely, charming! Spread it out, Gage. Hold it to the light. All my own fancy. 
Oh, look, Harry, how exquisite, how divine! Harry had no time to express his contempt for embroidered robes, for just then one of his knowing friends came by appointment to accompany him to Tattersall's, where he was to bid for a famous pair of caracal greys. Days passed on without Lady Juliana's ever thinking it worth while to follow her husband's advice about applying to her father, until a week after Douglas overheard the following conversation between his wife and one of her acquaintance. "'You are going to this grand fete, of course,' said Mrs. G. "'I am told it is to eclipse everything that has been yet seen or heard of.' "'Of what fete do you speak?' demanded Lady Juliana. "'Lord, my dear creature, how gothic you are! Don't you know anything about this grand affair that everybody has been talking of for two days? Lady Lindor gives, at your father's house, an entertainment which is to be a concert, ball, and masquerade at once. All London is asked, of any distinction, sa sentend. But bless me, I beg pardon, I totally forgot that you were not on the best terms possible in that quarter.' "'But never mind. We must have you go. There is not a person of fashion that will stay away. I must get you asked. I shall petition Lady Lindor in your favor. "'Oh, pray, don't trouble yourself,' cried Lady Juliana, in extreme pique. "'I believe I can get this done without your obliging interference. But I don't know whether I shall be in town then.' From this moment Lady Juliana resolved to make a vigorous effort to regain a footing in her father's house. Her first action the next morning was to write to her brother, who had hitherto kept aloof, because he could not be at the trouble of having a difference with the Earl, entreating him to use his influence in promoting a reconciliation between her father and herself. No answer was returned for four days, at the end of which time Lady Juliana received the following note from her brother. Dear Julia, I quite agree with you in thinking that you have been kept long enough in the corner, and shall certainly tell papa that you are ready to become a good girl whenever he shall please to take you out of it. I shall endeavor to see Douglas and you soon. Yours affectionately, Lindor. Lady Lindor desires me to say you can have tickets for her ball if you choose to come in mask. Lady Juliana was delighted with this billet, which she protested was everything that was kind and generous but the postscript was the part on which she dwelt with the greatest delight, as she repeatedly declared it was a great deal more than she expected. "'You see, Harry,' said she, as she tossed the note to him, "'I was in the right. Papa won't forgive me, but Lindor says he will send me a ticket for the fete. It is vastly attentive of him, for I did not ask it, but I must go disguised, which is monstrous provoking, for I'm afraid nobody will know me.' A dispute here ensued. Henry swore she should not steal into her father's house as long as she was his wife. The lady insisted that she should go to her brother's fete when she was invited. And the altercations ended, as altercations commonly do, leaving both parties more wedded to their own opinion than at first. In the evening Lady Juliana went to a large party, and as she was passing from one room into another she was startled by a little paper pellet thrown at her. Turning round to look for the offender, she saw her brother standing at a little distance, smiling at her surprise. This was the first time she had seen him for two years, and she went up to him with an extended hand, while he gave her a familiar nod and a how-d'ye-do, Julia, and one finger of his hand, while he turned round to speak to one of his companions. Nothing could be more characteristic of both parties than this fraternal meeting, and from this time they were the best friends imaginable. End of chapter 21 Recording by Patty Cunningham